0: Amen, Good morning. God with us, Emmanuel. People will let you down, but the Lord won't. He's faithful. always is who He is. This morning we're talking about the promise keeper, Luke chapter one, verses one through 25. Luke chapter one verses one through 25. As you turn there, I want to say for the children in the house, the kiddos, I have this little sermon notes for kids form that if you um, would like to fill that out, you're welcome to. They're in most of the places in the lobby and there's some up here on the front row. This is uh, just something to help. I know I struggle listening to people talk and so uh, it may help them follow along. It's got a place for them to draw something that they heard today. It's got a... They can fill in some blanks. They can write their favorite song in the service. One blank says, Words you heard but do not know. This preacher doesn't know very many big words, so they won't have too much to put in there. Just something to help. For all of you bulldog people, go bulldogs. You wear your colors in victory. I wear my colors in defeat. Because... My team needs me the most now. (laughs) Luke chapter 1. The gospel according to Luke was written before 63 A.D. Scholars believe it was written before Peter and Paul before they died. And so we have, what we will be doing I had a donut earlier this morning. I think the ingestion's working. There we go. So Luke chapter 1, we will go the next five weeks up to Christmas on Christmas Day. Uh, if you're, we're going to have service on Christmas, by the way, in case you didn't know. We'll be here, and we will see that day the birth of Jesus, okay? Makes sense. So today we'll see the Promise Keeper. We'll talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth today. And we'll make our way towards Christmas. And instead of reading verses 1 through 25, which is a lot, but we're going to take it section by section. And I just want a disclaimer. The reason I did not want to go into the ministry is because a lot of pastors that I've heard preach, they would tell jokes that really weren't that funny. And everyone would laugh just to make the preacher feel better. And I thought, I never want to be one of those guys. And then secondly, growing up in church a lot, I was bored. I hated sitting there. I hated sitting through the sermon. Um, Most of that was probably on my own, uh, not paying attention. But if you ever get bored um, on a Sunday morning here, it's either one of two things. Either, number one, I'm not preaching the Word, okay? Or number two, you're not paying attention. So, God is the opposite of boring. That's who He is. He's awesome. He's incredible. His Word is alive. And if I'm ever boring to you, please walk up on the stage and kick me in the knee. Okay? Please. I'm serious. Because that's my pet peeve, talking about the Lord not to be that guy. Okay? So, we're going to read couple different sections in this passage. We'll start out first three verses, first four verses. Are you there? Luke chapter one. And as much as many have undertaken to compile narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered to them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all the things closely for some time to pass, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that You may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Okay. Do you have certainty about the things that you have been taught this morning? What do you believe? Why do you believe it? It's a worthy question to ask. A manuscript is something that is a written historical document, an ancient document that was written down before the printing press was invented in 1455. The oldest manuscript we have about Alexander the Great was written 400 years after he died. We only have 5 to 10 manuscripts that pr- help prove Alexander the Great even existed. We only have, you know, a dozen or so that help prove that Socrates and Plato and these historical figures that they even existed. And yet in our education system It is taught with absolute certainty and assumed that these guys existed and that they made a difference and that they participated in society. But when it comes to Jesus, those things are questioned in our culture about the life of Christ and who He was and what He did. We have 25,000 partial and complete ancient written manuscripts of the Bible. 1947. If this bores you, I apologize. Some of you may appreciate it. Before we get to this text, it's so important for us to not skip over this. 1947, there was a young shepherd boy, and he went after a goat that had escaped, and the shepherd boy was chasing the goat, and he stumbled upon, he was looking in these caves outside of the Dead Sea, and he stumbled upon something called the Dead Sea Scrolls. You've heard of these? Scholars were blown away. Archaeologists were blown away what they found. And what they found there in Qumran was 19 copies of the book of Isaiah, 25 copies of Deuteronomy, 30 copies of Psalms. Every Old Testament book except for Esther was there. And what they found is that it was incredible. They matched it up with all of the other manuscripts that we had, and they were 99% accurate from those. Well, how do we know the Bible is reliable? Well, we can trust the Bible through fulfilled prophecy. We'll see in the next coming weeks. Jesus was the Messiah was prophesied to be born in where? Bethlehem. He would be born of a virgin. He would be called a Nazarene. Yet he would come from the line of David. You see, you just can't know the future. That's humanly impossible. We also know through extra-biblical sources, there's many secular sources that confirm the truth of Jesus, the life of Christ, and these events that unfold in the New Testament. There's archaeological evidence. Dr. Clifford Wilson, former director of Australian Institute of Archaeology, one of the most well-esteemed archaeology departments in the world, says, "...it is remarkable that where confirmation is possible and has come to light, the Bible stands investigation in ways that are unique in all literature." Its superior to attack, its capacity to withstand criticism, its amazing facility to be proved right, after all, are all staggering by any standards of scholarship. Seemingly assured results disproving the Bible have a habit of backfiring. Over and over again, the Bible has been vindicated. Today, the Bible is the number one seller. Do you know that? And it it stands the test. Also, we see internal consistency. That's another reason we know the Bible is true, it's accurate. If someone in our church called their friend and reported, Johnny lost his tire on the bridge in his blue truck. Then they call their friend, say, let me tell you what I heard. Johnny left his tire on the bridge in his black truck. Then they call their friend. Did you hear what happened to Johnny? He left his taco in the fridge and it stuck. And so we get things confused, right? Right? In our culture, we, we get things confused, passing down. But yet with the Bible, and then you see other ancient religious documents, there's many changes through all of the other uh, documents, okay? They change over time. But the Bible, throughout centuries, they harmonize, all of the books harmonize together perfectly, written by over 40 different people over a span of 1,500 years, and it all fits together perfect. Perfect puzzle piece. Well, what's the one percent? What is the the thing that's that's not the same? Well, most of those are things like commas and periods and misspelled words. If I write down, if I if I were to write down every word in the, the, the Old Testament, New Testament, it'd be all jacked up. But professional scribes, and it, so the point is that only the Lord could have done that. No other ancient document has the integrity and the consistency throughout centuries as God's Word. Okay? Now, here we go. With all of that said, the promise keeper. It had been 400 years since God had spoken to Israel. No prophet had been raised up. These uh, The Israelites, they thought the Lord had forgotten about them. 400 years they hadn't heard from the Lord. In chapter 1, we see a faithful priest. So we're going to take verse 5-7. through seven, A faithful priest... His name means, Jehovah is faithful. Elizabeth, her name in Hebrew means, God is my oath. You think that's just you know, happenstance that's like that? They were righteous. They were in a wicked culture, much like ours, and perhaps far worse. And this couple, they were different. They loved the Lord. The Bible says they were righteous. They were walking blamelessly in all the commandments. They were staying true to the Word. They were being obedient. They were trying to serve the Lord daily. And yet, they had a dream. Their dream was to have a baby. And they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren. And the Bible says that they were advanced in years. Past the age of childbearing. And it seems as though because they were standing for us right, being different, serving the Lord faithfully, it almost seems like they were being punished because of life's circumstances. It almost seems like they, were, they would probably be thinking, why is this happening to us? Why me? But regardless of their circumstance, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they did not waver. They loved the Lord and they were obedient. Next we see a fearful priest. Verse 8 through 17. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled, I bet he was, when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he would go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You will see a fearful priest. Twenty four priests were chosen to serve the temple, and each one would serve two weeks out of the year. Lots were cast, and it's Zachariah's turn to go into the temple. He was chosen by God to be the father of John the Baptist. Now about John the Baptist, you probably think of honey, or locust, or a manly man. There's an epic warrior of the Bible, which he is. Jesus said in Luke 7, that there's never been one greater born of women than John the Baptist. That's a strong statement. So let's look at Gabriel So there's Zechariah, he's going, faithfully serving his day. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Now why, what is the first thing that Gabriel says? Do not be afraid. Why would he say that? Obvious. Angel shows up, terrified. Do not be afraid. And then Gabriel gets a list and, and just he blurts out a whole lot of facts and truth. And Zechariah listens, and let's look at the facts in the message. Okay? Gabriel says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will have a son. His name will be John. By the way, the name John means Yahweh is gracious. Next, Gabriel says, you will have joy... And gladness. Then Gabriel says, Many will rejoice at his birth. They'll throw a party. They'll be excited. He will be great before the Lord. Kind of a commandment. He must not drink wine or strong drink. So, Zechariah, when you go register at Walmart, stay away from the booze aisle. Don't put that in the formula. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Not going to take the time to explain that, nor do I know how. He will turn many back to the Lord. He'll make ready the people for the coming of the Lord. And Zechariah thinks, What? You got the wrong guy. Gabriel, you, you found the wrong man. Next, we see a faithless priest. Look at this, verse 18. This is so funny to me. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? Zechariah's thinking, What in the world? How shall I know this? for I am an old man he 's a courteous husband he 's a good husband because then he says, and my wife well she 's not old like me, but she 's advanced in years and the angel and the angel answered him i 'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place." because you did not believe my words, which, be, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they wondered at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. We see a faithless priest. See, what Zechariah, what he heard Gabriel say... And then what he felt on the inside did not match up. He heard one thing, and then he started thinking. He started to be an expert on life. He started thinking, well, this is not right. Certainly, my wife and me, we can't have a baby. That's impossible. Well, God never gets his message wrong. Never, God never stutters. God is the God of clarity, not a God of confusion. Zechariah says, "I'm old. My wife, well, she's advanced." Zechariah said, "Well, who are you?" And Gabriel says, "I am Gabriel." Zechariah was a priest; he would know that Gabriel was mentioned in the Old Testament. Wiersbe says, You would think that the presence of an angel and the announcement of God's Word would encourage Zechariah's faith, but they did not. Instead of looking to God by faith, the priest looked at himself and his wife and decided that the birth of a son was impossible. He wanted some assurance beyond the plain words of Gabriel, God's messenger, perhaps a sign from God. This, of course, was unbelief, and unbelief is something God does not accept. Zechariah was really questioning God's ability to fulfill his own word. Zechariah had forgotten what God did with Abraham and Sarah. Zechariah forgot. He got so caught up in the serving the Lord and week by week and, and, and trying his hardest to do what's right and serve the Lord. But he forgot that God can do anything. God can do anything He wants to do and He doesn't need you or me to, to do it. He doesn't need America. He doesn't need anyone to do anything. He's God. He can do Wherever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. He's God alone. Zechariah, he got caught up listening to what made sense to himself and what he felt. Have your emotions ever let you down? Have they ever deceived you? Have you ever been convinced of something and then two weeks later you thought, no, that, was, that wasn't right? See, if we listen to how we feel, we can be led astray. That's why we need to base our actions based on the truth of God's Word, which does not change. Our circumstances can change, but the Lord does not. Zechariah, because of his unbelief, he became mute. Zechariah could have been the one to tell everybody that Christmas is coming. God, Zechariah could have been the one to walk out of the temple and say, guys, you're not going to believe it. Now keep in mind, they hadn't heard for God in 400 years. And Zechariah could have been the man. But instead, he walked out and couldn't say a thing. Because of his unbelief. Now, even though he couldn't say a thing, he was probably still pretty pumped. He was glowing. The Bible says that when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, coming weeks we'll see that, that she went to the hill country outside of Judah, which basically means Zechariah and Elizabeth lived in the sticks. You know, they they lived out. And can you imagine Zechariah walking down the road with this news that the Messiah is coming and that they were going to have a baby? I hope he was a good artist so he could draw out his thoughts and and write out what was going to happen. Sometimes our unbelief can hold us back from doing great things. Luke chapter 1, verse 23 through 25. Next we see a favored priest. Verse 23. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Zechariah was favored by the Most High. It was not by chance that Zechariah was chosen. What looks like chance to the world is, is... Actually, God's providence. Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, It is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Talking about the Lord. The birth of the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth was evidence that the Messiah was coming that Christmas was coming. That was the evidence that John, John, it's not possible for John to even be born to Zachariah and Elizabeth, and he was. So what about you? What do you believe? Do you have certainty concerning the things you've been taught? Young people, you can wake up if you're asleep. What do you believe and why do you believe it? This is important to ask ourselves. What is Christmas really about? What is life about? I don't want to be naive. This morning there are people in here, many people, Perhaps half the people in here that truly love the Lord and daily are trying to follow God. Maybe more than that. And yet, your circumstances are heartbreaking. Maybe it's a job or the lack of. Maybe it's circumstances in your life that no one knows about. Maybe no one else knows your circumstances except for you. And you read a passage like this and you see God do a miracle. And you think, man, is God going to do a miracle for me? Well, He may. He might. And that probably doesn't depend on your faith or not. But He also may not do a miracle in your life the way you want Him to. Many people here today have been chosen for hard things. And friends, listen to me. Special people have special trials to go through. And at the end of the day, we can trust who God is. We can trust His nature. We can trust that God sees the desires of our heart. He knew Elizabeth wanted to have a baby. And He answered her prayers. Right as we were talking with uh, the search committee about coming here to the bay, Allison told me uh that she was pregnant. And I was like, Whoa, wasn't expecting this. And so I thought, how am I gonna pay for this? How how is this gonna work out? And and so we we told our family and we were excited and then a few weeks later some we got some bad news and um I think it I don't know the timing of it all, about four weeks, we had a miscarriage. And that's something many of you can identify with. And I never knew uh, that that would affect people. I guess you've always heard about that. It's a very common thing, happens all the time. But you don't realize how hard it is until you go through it. Especially for the ladies. And uh, that was super difficult to deal with, to process, to have to go through that. And through it all, just as many of you have experienced, the Lord drew so close to us. And then there were some days where He felt far. He felt very far from us. And we have emotions, and sometimes when you're upset, you just need to talk to the Lord and tell Him that you're upset. It's okay to cry and complain because He... Be careful complaining too much. But He understands... More than anyone else does. Right? He knows already. He he wants to be a father that listens. He wants to be the one that we can confide in. So this morning, no matter the trial, no matter the circumstance, we have a God who's different than most people's God. Our God is the living God. He's the real God. He's the... He's the God that's actually real. And we know him and we love him and he knows us. And he's faithful. So if you get nothing else out of this morning, he's faithful. He's true to his promises. The Bible says that he cannot lie. Now, if God cannot lie, what does that mean? It means that every promise in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is true. That's good news. That will encourage you on a bad day, that will encourage you in the valley. Billy Graham said that views and inspiration, views and inspiration are gained from the mountaintop experience. But fruit is grown in the valley. Views and inspiration are gained from the mountaintop experience, but fruit is grown in the valley. Special people go through special trials. We, don't, we may not know what God is doing, but we can be assured through Luke chapter 1, this passage, that God is at work. There were 400 years that many people thought, man, the Lord's forgotten about us. But God is patient, and God has a plan that we cannot figure out. He's mysterious, but He's good and He's faithful. And He sent a Savior into the world because He knew that we were like that goat outside of Qumran that wondered places we should have never went and we were lost and that goat, that goat probably thought no one's coming after me I'm stuck in this cave and I'm done somebody's going to have fried goat for dinner I'm, I'm finished and then that young boy young shepherd boy found the goat and that's who Christ is he's a shepherd and he's here today there's people in here that do not know the Lord. You've never come to a time in your life said, "God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, and I want to put my faith in you. I want to, God, I want you to save me. I want to be born again, God. I want a relationship. If you've never done that, you're at the right place because you can do that today. Come just as you are, and the Lord He will forgive you. 1 John one nine says, "If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just, and He'll." He will forgive you. He will purify you from all unrighteousness. God said it. But, Pastor, you don't know the, the issues that I have. You don't know my stuff. You don't know what's going on in my life. No, I don't. But I know God's Word says, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just, and He will forgive you. And I know He cannot lie. I didn't say it. God said it. So today... Bring your heavy burdens and lay them at the feet of Christ. Put them on His shoulders. He has big shoulders. He has big muscles. He can handle it. He wants to. He's a father. He's faithful. He's a promise keeper. The world will let you down. People will let you down. Your friends will let you down. Family members will let you down. But the Lord will never let you down. He's faithful. Always. Let's pray.